today I want to continue the discussion that's been going on a few weeks. Uh, <clears throat> we began with the uh, Pure Dhamma page. Uh, I'll send the link here. Michaditi Gandaba and the Sotapanna stage. And so there are three heavy-duty topics in play. Michaditi means wrong views. Micha is wrong, Diti view. Gandaba is um, basically uh, here being used for a non-physical human or animal entity in between physical incarnations. It also means heavenly messenger but we're, and heavenly musician, but that's another meaning astral below a, a class of beings in the astral. But here we're talking about human and animal re, uh, souls or entities in between incarnation. So Tapana stage is the first level of awakening in Buddhism. We talked about the ten types of Michaditi that are required not only for achievement of Sotapanna in the Buddhist tradition, which is basically the destruction of wrong views to a large extent, or, or fully. Um, and <clears throat> uh, the nature of these ten wrong views, which are very much uh, what I call the anatomy of materialism, materialism being particularly belief, what's called um, existential nihilism and um, moral nihilism. You know, uh, humans are real smart when they think. Uh, the problem is that they've been trained not to think and to be, uh, you know, slavish or, or uh, obedient, uh, compliant submissives to authority. But when they think on philosophers and those that have looked, looked at all these things, there's really brilliant um, human um, education available, like the discussion of the two types of nihilism and materialism and how it relates to uh, the kind of perspective that we're sharing, which hopefully is right view, which uh, is the basis of all understanding of the spiritual path. And so I want to go over the ten wrong views again. And last time we also talked about a sutta called Tirokuda, Tirokuda Kanda, uh, kanda, uh, as translated from the Pali, or hungry shades outside the walls. Uh, we're not going to read it again, but this is a very old portion of the Pali canon, and uh, it's a kind of clear indication that, yes, indeed, Gautama the Buddha, 2,500 years ago, did teach about um, non-physical human entities and the existence of what's called paraloka, paraloa, which is the intermediate stage between incarnations in the human and animal bhava, or the state of existence of human and animal, being both physical and non-physical. This is the non-physical, is the human gandhava, which we'll talk about. And today I want to push further into uh, the discussion of gandhava, because it's simply one of the wrong views. Uh, it's wrong view number six. Paraloa, or the world of Gandaba, doesn't exist. Meaning, the existential nihilist, the one who says uh, <clears throat> existence is only materiality, physicality. Physical materiality is the total uh, existence that there is. And he thinks he knows, because there's no proof that there's you know immaterial, invisible reality. Since there's no proof, he concludes there is none and um, feels very proud of himself and then goes off to become a moral nihilist who then uh, does harm <laughs> and then after death uh, gets his face slapped a few times if not worse and realizes the error of his ways uh, <clears throat> to make an intention to come back and uh, develop right view <clears throat> but then uh, generally falls back again so uh, this view uh, associated with uh, existential nihilism, that paraloa, paraloka, or the world of Gandaba doesn't exist, is the view that <clears throat> that physical life is all there is, and after death a human is uh, dissolved into nothingness, dissolved to the void, there's nothing. Human existence is completely terminated after the physical uh, incarnation ends or with the last breath. 
That's the view of the materialist and the existential nihilist. That's considered a wrong view. But there's a page uh, in discussing Gandaba and Paraloa <clears throat> that uh, I think is interesting. And uh, let me just, at the risk of sending it again, uh, Hidden World of the Gandaba, Netherworld, Paraloa. So first let me go through the ten wrong views, and then we'll go into number six, which is about Paraloka and Gandaba stage. The Gandaba stage is intermediate, again, for humans and animals, that are destined to come back. That's the point. Um, when a human uh, evolves, you know, like a wanderer, going back to fourth or fifth, sixth density, <clears throat> or, a, or a soul that harvests and graduates doesn't have to come back to the human phase, when they're in the afterlife, technically in this Buddhist uh, cosmology, they don't go into Paraloa, they go into another level of Kamaloka on their way up to a higher dimension, or what's probably called Rupaloka. So, Buddhist cosmology fits with the raw material of seven dimensions quite well, but you've got to kind of hammer it in place and uh, study it a bit to, to get it, make it easy and facile. <clears throat> Here are the wrong views. And you can see if you, if you have any wrong views or the people around you. The first uh, four are associated with karma, and particularly um, the karma associated with morality and generosity, or generosity as a form of moral action, and it's the reality of the karmic consequences of moral action, such as giving. This is a very big deal, actually. You want to change your future, um, change your karma. You want to change your karma, uh, focus on moral action, because it will have positive consequences, even though you know it, even though you want it. Uh, to whatever degree we do moral action, which is speech and, and with body, sincerely, to whatever degree we do it sincerely, despite the fact that we want merit <laughs> or good consequences, it can come. It will come. You know, there is there are positive consequences to moral action, even if you want it. <laughs> it just depends, and you know it and you want it. It just depends on how sincerely you're truly giving. You know? So, uh, every, every, um, <laughs> I've seen it for decades, every Chinese Buddhist community or Chinese Buddhist temple and Sangha has some rich, rich Chinese businessmen who have been giving, it seems very clear to me that they've been giving in Buddhist temples for hundreds of years. And they're rich this life because they were generous in the last life and they're clear enough and they like being rich and they're clear enough to know that if they keep giving, they will continue to be rich in the next lifetime, which is often the case. <laughs> and they have a certain kind of clarity of mind and a certain clean face in many cases <clears throat> uh, because they know the rule. And they like to be rich, so they still have this attachment. But they also understand the power of, of giving and merit, the merit that comes from giving. And they, you know, at some point will, will be tired of being rich people and they'll want to be free people, or they'll become monks or something. But before that time, um, they keep uh, giving a lot of money in for the temple, and they continue being reborn as rich people or with opportunity for wealth. This is very common. So the ten wrong views. Number one, giving or dana has no merit. Number two, being grateful and responding in kind for what others have done for oneself has no merit. Respecting and making offerings to those with higher virtues has no merit. What we enjoy or suffer in this life is not due to kama-vipaka, meaning cause-effect, but they just happen. Uh, next is, this world does not exist. Then, paraloa, or the world of Gandaba, intermediate, uh, does not exist. Next, there's no special person as a mother, there's no special person as a father, meaning mother is not special, father is not special. Those are considered wrong views. Then, there are no opapatika, instantaneous births. And finally, there are no shamana, brahmana, or aryas, yogis, high-level, you know, monks, nuns, sages, with abhinya, meaning magical powers, who can see both this world and paraloa, meaning um, the next, or the intermediate. <clears throat> 
And so uh, the first few here, again, are about, uh, you know, basically their wrong views associated with moral nihilism. Uh, giving has no merit, meaning no beneficial consequence. Uh, gratitude and response for others' kindness in kind has no benevolent consequence, no beneficent consequence. Making offering, respecting, and offering to those with higher virtue has no consequence, no positive consequence. As well, I would say that the, the nihilist believes that there is no one with higher development than themselves anyway. You know, they think of themselves, they're very, <laughs> they're very narcissistic. It's, a, it's very stupid, actually. People who know see them as very damaged, um, immature souls, but they themselves think that they're, you know, hot stuff, but <laughs> it's a real delusion. That's why higher souls just check out and uh, don't even deal with those, you know, people who <clears throat> uh, are too blocked because they're not interested. They want to stay blocked, actually. <laughs> Next is this world doesn't exist and Paraloa, Gandhava doesn't exist, and this is existential nihilism. And then, you know, the importance of mother-father and the reality that um, there are some people in this world with magical ability, believe it or not. So the next page I want to look into is to, to open up more of the teaching about Gandhava and Paraloa it's simply an addendum to an understanding, a deeper understanding of the ten wrong views or the reversal of the wrong views being right view in Buddhism, which is, yeah, there is a paraloa, paraloka. Yeah, <clears throat> human beings can be in an intermediate non-physical, meaning astral state after death. I mean, it's no big deal for us who've been in this for a long time. Uh, it's no big deal to Buddhists and Hindus. <clears throat> but it's a big deal to materialists and science, and most people have not gotten over the, the hump of, of faith or belief or experience to be clear that life goes on after death. Uh, I would say that maybe 50%, they've done polls on this, it may be that 50% or maybe 60% of people believe in an afterlife, <clears throat> but they haven't thought much about it. And so... There's tremendous um, ambivalence, confusion, unclarity, um, fuzzy, fuzzy, foggy-mindedness regarding what happens after death. Most people are just afraid of the topic and stay out of it. Buddhism <laughs> had no problem with this, obviously. Gautama knows this side and the other side. <clears throat> and um, yogis and monks and sages and people who've done a lot of practice who know clearly and see clearly... Uh, don't force it on anyone who isn't ready to see. And um, there's the law of free will, which prevents, uh, you know, good ETs from landing on the White House lawn. So, let's look at this page. Hidden world of Gandhava, nether world. It's not necessarily nether. Um, it's intermediate. It's the bardo. And um, the points that the author of puredhamma.net that provides all of these pages here. Uh, his perspectives are great, actually. I don't agree with everything, or I think Buddhism has certain... There were certain teachings about this that are limited, in my understanding, which is also limited. Uh, but, <clears throat> and this guy is a real scholar, and he gets into um, high detail. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it seems to me, frankly, that if you really want to understand any spiritual teaching you not only have to go back to the original text, you actually have to go to academics who will do an interlinear translation of every single word of the, of the original text. It's very, it's really crazy, actually, in that, you know, most, most people may translate uh, dukkha as suffering, but actually there's a difference between suffering and pain, and there's a difference between suffering and stress. And... <clears throat> and there's a difference between that word and dissatisfaction. And actually, nobody really knows what the original meant, other than yogis who've been taught really well, monks who've been taught really, really well, and had some achievement, and scholars, and certain scholars, not all scholars, certain scholars who have real strong and sincere desire to find truth. There are scholars who are ideologues and dogmatic, 
and they're not they're really arguing a certain political position almost and there are other scholars who are source really serious and so <laughs> only the most serious and sincere and and true-hearted uh, academic or scholar will be able to help us understand the original meaning of the words that are commonly uh, translated in ways that most everyone accepts that are probably deficient and in some cases totally wrong. It's it's a real uh, crazy situation, I think, in that you really have to go back to the original text and, and you see this word called dukkha. What does it really mean? Well, it may not mean what everybody thinks it means. <laughs> and that means the Buddhist teaching about that is not quite exactly as people think it is. And so down the line here, um, <clears throat> oh, we may look into, I'm going to, what I, what the plan here is to just roll along with this pure Dhamma uh, teaching, uh, the teachings from the site puredhamma.net on multiple pages. And so this week I want to look into more about um, the issue associated with the wrong view, associated with paraloka, paraloa, the intermediate stage between incarnations for human and animal, this, quote, world of Gandhava. Uh, that's this week. Next week, or in the future, I want to look further at what's called ten immoral actions and the five precepts, right? We talked about this many times, right? Panchashila. And, and this teaching um, about levels of the three poisons, the three poisons basically being, you know, desire, aversion, and ignorance, grasping, aversion, you know, um, grasping, aversion, desire, greed, uh, desiring, aversion, hatred, anger, and in ignorance, you know, dull-mindedness, confusion. There are levels of those. And there are, there's the level of intensity that decreases over time on the spiritual path. <clears throat> Meaning, there are lots of very fine details uh, about how attachments uh, weaken over uh, incarnations, really. And there are wanderers who get upset because they get angry, but they don't realize that their anger is far, far less than, than some people, or than it may be or than it was in past lives, <clears throat> and um, is nearly nothing, is, is negligible, insignificant, but they think it's a big deal, but it isn't. There are many wanderers who wonder they're going to harvest or not, but actually this harvest is not for you. This bud is not for you. Uh, this harvest is for the 3D repeaters and the most people here. You just don't want to create bad karma and get into trouble, <laughs> which you shouldn't. <clears throat> so... In future weeks, I want to unpack some very hardcore details um, that he presents, whoever, the unnamed Sri Lankan, um, who put these pages together, and I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, this is much deeper understanding of Buddhism than I have had, and uh, he sat with great monks in Sri Lanka, real academics who've been, who are very sincere in, in going back to the original text. So <clears throat> we'll look further at the three poisons and the five precepts and the ten immoral actions uh, because uh, there's a, people have a lot of confusion about um, the you know how spiritually developed am I? <laughs> people wonder about themselves, and people who are probably not listening to these lectures, but people who are less uh, discerning end up. <clears throat> with uh, choosing really lousy teachers and get into a lot of trouble. Uh, and so <laughs> discerning levels of spiritual development in self and other is important. Uh, and if you don't, you'll, you may end up following unhelpful teaching and um, confusion teacher. And there's another week we'll look into a page called The Twilight Masters, some very interesting writing. <laughs> from a couple of walk-ins that were uh, in my zone in Northern California in the 90s. <clears throat> so, let's go to Hidden World of the Gandaba, Netherworld, Paraloa. I'm just going to run through it and uh, discipline myself. You see I'm talking fast, but it's okay. You just slow the tape, slow the file down to 80, 80%. You'll hear it fine. Or 
listen twice. So we're going to go through the points. This uh, title, Hidden World of Gandaba, Netherworld or Paraloa, it's not necessarily beneath the earth or nether, but it's beneath where you want to go. Uh, point one, he writes, I have discussed the fact that when a living being gets a, quote, human baba, meaning human uh, phase of existence, it does not necessarily mean that it is born with a human body, meaning physical body, during all that time. And see baba and jati, states of existence or births therein. So baba as a state of existence that includes incarnate and disincarnate, jati simply means birth. He goes on, for example, when a human dies and still has karmic or karmic energy left for the human bhava or continued state, then it is very unlikely that it will be conceived as a human baby right away. This is the Buddhist view. At death, a quote, human Gandhava, <laughs> meaning a human in the astral body between lives, physical lives, uh, a, at death, a human Gandhava with a fine body, meaning immaterial, leaves the dead body and has to wait in, wait in that state until a suitable womb becomes available. There are large, uh, there are a large or uncountable number of such human Gandhavas waiting for a suitable womb, meaning humans on the astral plane in between incarnation. Uh, and he continues, this is one reason that a mother and father are so revered. No matter how bad they may be in some cases, just the fact that they made it possible for a Gandhava or a human being to have a human body makes them invaluable. And that's very much associated with the, the true basis for reverence for parents in Buddhism, which is their provision of a body. And actually, even in Theosophy, old Alice Bailey has some understanding of um, how important it is that, that to provide a human body for a soul. Now, uh, this human Gandhava is simply an entity on the uh, a human a person, <laughs> a human soul on the astral plane in a non-physical body or out of their yellow ray astral shell. Now, as I've said before, you will note that there's a pretty clear dichotomy or discrepancy between this Buddhist view of, of an entity sort of hanging out in, uh, in its Gandhavic state waiting for a womb to open. Um, or a baby to be conceived somewhere, Ver that view and something like Astral City, or What Dreams May Come, or Defending Your Life, or countless, actually, uh, out-of-body and near-death experiences of, uh, you know, large-scale human being communities on the astral plane, which there are. Uh, it's simply that Gautama didn't talk about that, and I think Gautama didn't want to make the astral plane too attractive to people. There are a lot of souls, if you look at the movie Astral City, Our Home, No Solar, from uh, you know Chico Xavier's uh, book, you'll see that there are a lot of people on the astral plane in the astral city that don't want to go back to human, because it's so lovely there, and they don't want their loved ones there in the astral city to go back to human. So you lose your loved ones on Earth when they die, and you lose your loved ones on the astral plane when they're reborn. So there's loss of loved ones again and again. You lose your loved ones here, and you lose your loved ones there. The ones here die to go there, and the ones there die to come here, to be born here. Uh, these accounts of uh, Paraloa, because this is what we're talking about, Paraloa, Paraloka, are much more accurate than simply some spirit that's like uh, hovering in the sky uh, on the on the lookout for an open womb. Number two, beings are born as human because they crave the sense pleasures associated with the human body. This is again very, very strict, old baldy <laughs> Buddhist teaching, and it's not the whole of it, in my limited view. The most valued, so beings are born as human, I'll, I'll give my commentaries at the end. Beings are born as human, before they crave the sense pleasures associated with the human body. The most valued are the tastes and the body pleasures. A Gandhava, or human soul on the astral, has a very fine body that we cannot see, weighing much less than 0.01 grams. 
Uh, he uh, see his article Manomaya Kaya and the physical body. He goes on. A Gandaba born at the Chuti Pati Sandi moment is much smaller than an atom in modern science. Some could inhale aroma Ganda and get a bit more dense. Thus the name Gandaba Ganda Abba. And so that that's where you get the idea that the class of astral beings called Gandabas Gandharvas, not a human or animal in the intermediate, but the the being that's reborn in the formal class, so there's some difference there and it's a little confusing, that they reside in the aroma or the perfume or the scent of flowers and barks and, and branches and trees and flowers. <laughs> they live in the scent, in the aroma. And so when you have your essential oil, when you buy your virgin press, first press essential oil, um from Utati, of course, uh, you f may find that there's some Gandabas and astral entities associated with your um, essential oil that when you apply to your forehead or your neck or your heart, uh, those devas or Gandabas or astral uh, entities uh, love you more. <laughs> uh, Gandaba loved me long time. Uh, when I apply my uh, essential oil, hey hey, so there, there's something going on there. Don't don't you know? There's a reason. There are many uh, many esoteric reasons for the um, power of essential oils or anointing, the value of uh, religious spiritual anointing, anointment, and uh, the Christ is sometimes called the anointed one, and. Um, that that kind of um, relation to uh, fine entities on the astral uh, is part of the spiritualization um, that's associated with the you know religious use of uh, essential oils like uh, you know frankincense uh, myrrh sandalwood frankincense myrrh you know and the three kings and all that so there's a lot going on there <clears throat> but yeah okay this uh, entity has uh, is smaller than an atom. He goes on, <clears throat> a Gandaba is unable to taste solid food <clears throat> or experience physical touch, but they can see and hear very well. <clears throat> and he goes on, thus their life is miserable, since they can't can see the human, the normal humans engaging in, quote, pleasurable activities. That is what they crave too, but they are unable to experience them. <clears throat> note the big difference between this Buddhist view and Astral City. Next, when a zygote, you know, the, the seed, the, the male-female, you know, fertilization of an egg, when a zygote is created in a womb as a result of intercourse, see, what does Buddha Dhamma Buddhism say about birth control? There are a huge number of Gandabas waiting to, quote, get hold of that zygote. But of course, they don't have a choice only the Gandaba matching the gati of the father, and especially the mother, is pulled into the womb. <clears throat> this is exactly <laughs> the kind of um, Buddhist uh, metaphysics of rebirth process that I disagree with. Disagree with because I think uh, <clears throat> this was a view uh, that was appropriate to the level of understanding um of the listeners at the time uh who would not have been benefited i believe from gotama explaining in depth the lovely features of the astral cities how wonderful it is actually there relatively so because beings would be attached to them so <clears throat> to say that <clears throat> human beings but after death uh, their life is miserable because they can see normal humans engaging in pleasurable activities but they can't eat and touch I think it's completely wrong so uh, fine <laughs> I'll see when I grow up but uh, I think uh, the view of, of movies like Astral City um, that that indicate a very a highly complex social organization, social organizational structures, many, uh, on multiple levels of the astral plane. That's actually 
accurate more than this. To, to think that human after death just kind of hovers around longing to, to eat and fuck, I think is completely mistaken. Um, and a huge number of Gandabas waiting, hovering around to get hold of the zygote. Um, I think something, some, there's some missing teachings here. Number three, he goes on, therefore, <clears throat> even though a human bhava, meaning a state of existence, meaning the human state, may last thousands of years, the actual time that one is, quote, born with a human body, the human jati, meaning human birth, could be a fraction of that time. This is another reason why a, quote, human birth is so precious and it should not be wasted. Uh, and so that's an important point. Um, uh, like a 3D repeater <clears throat> or a soul that's stuck in 3D may be in 3D for multiple cycles of 25,000 years, indeed. During that time, they're not in human physical form always. They are alternating between space-time and time-space. So, yeah, um, this is, you know, completely in accord with the raw material or an understanding of... Um, <clears throat> lawful alternation between incarnate space-time and disincarnate time-space within any one dimension. And so there's the human bhava that includes both phases. He goes on, the same is true for the animal bhava, meaning the state of being in the animal level, which we would call second density. He goes on, there are an uncountable number of, quote, animal gandabas waiting for a suitable womb at any given time. Yes, <laughs> there are human gunda there are human entities and there are animal entities. Uh, but you know, the animal case is much more esoteric than this, and the human case is much more complex, in my view. And you gotta look at it. But this is one of my only core disagreements with Buddhism, actually, is the, the teachings on after death. Number four, both the human and animal gandabas can be said to live in a paraloa or paraloka. It is a world that no that a that a normal human cannot see, even though they can see us. Of course, there is no English word for it, but nether world or the hidden world seems to convey the idea. You see, <laughs> because our dear friend, the the unnamed Sri Lankan sage, uh, believes that these Buddhist teachings on afterlife are the only true teachings of afterlife, which I don't believe, or I don't agree with. Uh, and indeed, the Buddhist teaching of afterlife is kind of miserable, um, or it indicates a miserable state, right? I mean, he even says it, right? Their life is miserable. They can see the human engaging in pleasurable activities like eating and, and having sexual relation, and they can't touch or taste. They can see and hear. They're like, um, you know, autistic on the side and behind the window, and they can't get it on. Um that's completely <laughs> deficient and mistaken if that's considered all there is going on after death and that's why he called that's why he's fine with the word netherworld and i'm not <laughs> there is netherworld it's called the lower astral it's called hell it's called hungry ghost so you can say maybe maybe that the buddhist understanding which is um followed by um bardo tadal um, the tibetan book of the dead called bardo todol bardo means the intermediate state or paraloa bardo is paraloa todol means i think um instructions or guidance so it's guidance on the intermediate state uh for you know spiritually minded people who die the problem is <clears throat> they they there seems to be a conflation um or uh, of the hungry ghost condition which seems to be what, what is uh, indicated here as Gandhava, versus all that, that may be experienced in between human lives. There are higher levels of the astral plane that are nothing like um, a miserable Gandhava waiting for a womb to come available. <laughs> no. And yet, you could say that um, in the hungry ghost phase or uh, type of experience, uh, yeah, it might be similar to this. So it may be that there's a conflation between the hungry ghost experience after death and all that humans experience or all that's possible for humans to experience after death. I, I can buy that. So <clears throat> if you want to call this Gandhava, Gandhavic experience akin to hungry ghost, uh, okay. But, but not all humans end up as hungry ghosts. 
some go to hell and have real suffering, much worse than this, and others um, have nothing to do with this. I would imagine, frankly, that I would say 40 or 50% of humanity probably has nothing to do with hell or um, hungry ghosts wandering after death. Uh, 50% does and 50% doesn't. Something like that. I would say that half of humanity, at least, probably has nothing to do with a <clears throat> Niraya hell experience, which is real, and the hungry ghost experience, which is akin to his description of Gandaba. I would say that 50% of humanity after death doesn't go through these, those, and um, just gets taken up to one of the cities and one of the realms and um, taken care of and has community and is not miserable. So that's why he's okay with the term netherworld and I'm not as you know so the human gandaba is in many ways the human hungry ghost phase or experience which is not uh, all the way is not necessary after death and I think that that may have solved the problem that the Buddhist understanding of the post-death process has been conflated with a pretty accurate understanding of the hungry ghost experience after death but not all humans go through that hungry ghost or ghost experience after death. He goes on, Paraloa is not a distinct realm in the 31 realms. Just like human and animal realms coexist, the Paraloa coexists with the human and animal realms, meaning physical. But we normally cannot see those beings in the Paraloa unless one develops a binya or magical powers. One can imagine there being another world with human and animal kandabas. Thus, kandabas are not pretas. And so, this is, um, <laughs> this is, he's just uh, contradicting what I just said. And um, he's saying that kandabas, the kandaba state is not the hungry ghost state. Preta, peta is a hungry ghost state. And petavatu is the document, the portion of the Pali canon, petavatu means uh, hungry ghost um, tales, T-A-L-E-S, or stories of the hungry ghosts, preta peta vatu. That was the, the portion where we got um, the material uh, Tirokuda Kanda, uh, the one before, the hungry shades at the wall, comes from peta vatu, or the stories of the hungry ghosts section of the Pali canon, Pali early Buddhist document. And so he's saying, Gandabas are not pretas. Okay. And I'm saying, <laughs> I think they are. Alright? So, you know, I'm not a perfect Buddhist, and he's probably a whole lot better than me. But, uh, it looks to me like uh, this experience is very pretaic, or very much like Hungry Ghost. Uh, so he's saying, Paraloa, or this intermediate stage, coexists with the physical human and animal experience. Normally we can't see it, obviously, because it's non-physical and astral. Uh, he goes, one can imagine there being another world with human and animal gandabas. What other world is that? <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'm not sure if he actually passed this with his teachers, meaning asked his teacher directly, you mean these gandabas are not pretas? Because they look a whole lot like pretas or hungry ghosts to me. Uh, pronunciation. You want to hear this man speaking. Paraloa or Paraloka. That's his nice voice. Paraloa or Paraloka. So he knows exactly where to put the long vowel. Paraloa, Paraloka. And he has a nice voice, so he's done a lot of good spiritual practice. Going on. <clears throat> those with human... Uh, those with human or animal bhava meaning in the phases of existence, human or animal, spend their time either, quote, in this world that we can see the physical, or in Paraloa, or the, quote, hidden world. Okay, so the point is that uh, Paraloa, or the, the Bhava, includes physical and the Paraloa, both. Paraloka, or the intermediate, non-physical, and the physical, are both phases of both human and animal existence. Okay. He goes on, many people are not even aware of the existence of Paraloa because, like the concept of Gandaba, it is not discussed in Vishuddhimagga. Mm. Vishuddhimagga <clears throat> is um, 
uh, a document that came after the Pali Canon. It's not canonical, uh, but it's it's from I think Buddha Gosha. I forgot, but it's a very fine discussion of um, Buddhist theory and practice. He goes on. It's unfortunate that current Theravada relies on Vishuddhimagga, written by an an Arya, meaning not an Ar, not not of enlightened monk, written by an an Arya rather than the Tipitaka. And so <clears throat> now we're getting uh, some sniping. Uh, it's because Paraloa is not discussed in Vishuddhimagga, and lots of Theravadan monks and students rely on Vishuddhimagga rather than Tabitaka, which is crazy. You've got to rely on the original, not the commentarial. Uh, but because a lot of people rely on the commentarial Vishuddhimagga rather than the original, you know, doctrinal the Pali language, Tipitaka. Tipitaka means three baskets. Thai, T-I is three, like tree, like triple. Uh, because it's not discussed in Vishuddhimaga, people miss it. And, um, you know, we're all... <laughs> uh, uh, deficiency comes from deficient sources. And so people, um, you know, the more you... the more you, uh, Just like Heraclitus said, the, the seeker of uh, gold must sift through a whole lot of dirt. And that's just the way it is. Going on, Gandaba is described in detail in the what we read, Tirokuda Sutta, in the Kudaka Nikaya basket, where it is called Tirokuda or Tirokudaya instead of Gandaba. Ah, so Tirokuda means the, is what Pali is what uh, Tanasuro translated as the hungry shades. Uh, but it sounds a lot like Preta Tami. Hmm instead of Gandaba. So, somebody else more akin, more uh, tuned into this can explain how these Gandabas are not Pretas, because it certainly looks like that type of experience. Going on, number five, <laughs> it's a lot of detail here, but I think it's very interesting. On number five, the idea behind giving special offerings, or dana, to the bhikkhus, the monks, after the death of a person, which is done funeral rituals in Buddhist countries, is done mainly for the benefit of the Gandabas and also pretas. So he's putting them together here, meaning the people who've died. This is a common practice in Buddhist countries. Normally it's done after seven days and after three months of death, again. And I'll discuss the reasons for those specific dates in a future post. So, you know, <laughs> there are reasons for why it's seven days or three months later. Uh, yeah, th these are very complicated traditions, and um, they're not established randomly. <clears throat> he goes on, not all beings can receive merits, especially those in the Niraya, hell, uh, where the agents go, are unable to do so because they don't have the right mindset to receive merits. Just like in Astral City, uh, some people scorned the heavenly messengers when they came to help people out of hell. Some people uh, spit on them and hated them and scared of them. Um, the mind of, of hate and deception is a mind that is very uncomfortable with love and truth, love and honesty and, and openness, very uncomfortable. Those, he goes on, those who can benefit most are the Gandabas and Pretas. So you see they're, very comp they're quite comparable, even he knows that. And he goes on, <clears throat> also, and here, here's uh, you know, our argument, he says, also, note that Gandabas are totally distinct from the Pretas or hell beings, and that's different, hell beings in the Niraya. So he now he's making a distinction. He said, only Gandabas live in Paraloa, waiting for suitable wombs. Pretas and hell beings have instantaneous Opapatika births, just like Devas and Brahmas. Ah, okay. Well, there's, there's the point of contention there. Uh, human after death, human non-physical, being called Gandaba is being considered to live in Paraloa. Yeah, what's the difference between where, you know, Paraloa and where a hungry ghost lives? I don't know. doesn't sound too different to me. Uh, waiting for suitable wombs. Um, preta and hell beings have instantaneous birth. Uh, well, <laughs> hmm... So it doesn't make sense to me because the 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 birth or the uh, movement into a Gandaba state that's not 
instantaneous manifestation into the astral body? Um, isn't that is that really different than what an entity who becomes a hungry ghost experiences, where they instantaneously appear <clears throat> in a comparable as in a in an astral form that's comparable to their physical body, but is obviously not physical? Uh, what's the difference? It's not so clear here. So um, I think the point he doesn't get is that uh, <clears throat> there's a lot more going on after death than um, this sort of uh, detached, solitary Gandaba and a detached, solitary Preta or hungry ghost, uh, both just doing nothing, uh, longing to be reborn. That, that's, I think, very deficient. But you can see that, that even he understands that, that there's a need to, to talk about how his understanding or this understanding of Gandaba is not the same as Preta, while it looks to, to me quite much the same. Number six, it has been described how the Buddha saw human beings wander from life to life when he first comprehended the Chutupapada Yana, um, meaning the um, death, what's, what he's seeing um, in terms of beings recycling during the night of his enlightenment. Chutupapada comes from chuti for death and upapada for birth, death birth. So chutupapada means death birth cycling. So he's watching beings dying and being reborn. Uh, did he watch, uh, did he see the astral city or not? Maybe there weren't astral cities 2,500 years ago. How about that? Mm-hmm. How about that? 2,500 years ago, the condition of the astral plane, at least some levels of the astral plane, um, being reflective or in harmony with uh, the state of technology of humanity, 2,500 years ago, uh, didn't look anything like they do in the movie Astral City today, where uh, the surface physical space-time civilization technology is, you know, countless orders of magnitude more developed than it was 2,500 years ago. Uh, maybe. Maybe um, the astral realm was different then to be more reflective or in harmony with the level of human technology 2,500 years ago. But um, I think this is just simply a deficient view <laughs> of what happens after death. And I think that really Gautama didn't want anyone to be longing to be hanging out on the astral plane. And that's why there's no teaching about anything good there. Uh, and um, it may also be that 2,500 years ago, more people were in a kind of um, unfortunate condition after death um, because of more primitive consciousness. So anyway, Gautama, on the night of his awakening, or complete and perfect awakening, um, was able to see the cycle of birth-death of beings. And it goes on, just ch thus, yana yana is the type of knowledge, is the knowledge about the rebirth process. But this particular description was restricted to births and deaths associated with a single human bhava, not all others. Chutti is pronounced chutti, and yana is, is pronounced Chutupapada yana, yana. Here's the pronunciation. Chuti and Chutupapada yana. So you see, he's serious, and I'm. He's much. Chuti and Chutupapada yana. All right. So that's that's a real scholar, and um, and monk or a yogi. So there you go, and. Um, uh, the, these metaphysical aspects of Buddhism should never be forgotten. <laughs> you know, if you think of Buddhism as some kind of stress reduction technology or um, something to help with your emotional conditions only, uh, you really don't know what Buddhism is. And um, it's, it's a very shallow uh, comprehension to think of it as simply um, uh, this world uh, alleviation of stress or something. Number seven, let me just see about this. Yeah, we might be able to run through this. Seven, 
that description by the Buddha was not about the general wandering among the 31 realms, but is on how a human being or how a being in a human bhava wanders from human birth to human birth with Gandhava states in between, i.e. going back and forth between, quote, this world that we can see and, quote, the other world that we cannot see or parallel. And that, that's the whole notion that human being just wanders around. Uh, I think that's completely wrong. <laughs> completely. Um, the wandering ghosts do. Pretas do, yeah. If a person <clears throat> has so attached to the human life by desire, has so thick rope, ropey, thick ropes of desire to the human experience of sense pleasures or, or social ambition, that person may become a hungry ghost. That person may indeed wander and be, be screwed up. Yes, after, birth, after death. Yes, indeed. But I think that's not the norm. I, but it, it may be, you know, <laughs> one out of three, unfortunately, does that. And so that's, um, um, that's a problem. And there is also another, another principle here where the things that are good don't need to be talked about. The things that are bad need to be remembered. Meaning, um, you don't need to help people understand the lovely aspects of the astral experience that they deserve um, by, by merit and virtue. But you do need to help people understand the unpleasant aspects of the after-death experience um, so they don't create the karmic seeds to have those experiences. You know, It's more helpful to talk about hungry ghosts and the hells, which are real, um, because you want to help people not go there. Rather than talk about uh, the lovely astral city or other higher astral plane uh, communities uh, where, uh, where everything is quite lovely and wonderful. Uh, just like Yeshua said, he didn't go to the 99 that are saved, he went to the one that strayed. And so this, is a, this may well be talking to the problem rather than talking to um those that that don't have a problem or the fate of those who are well already it's the one that strayed or the problematics of rebirth or after death that that are most important to present that may be some of the principle the, the, one of the principles in play here he goes on the description is as follows if one is situated in the upper level of a building at a four-way junction, he can see the street below. He can see many people wandering in the street, Gandabas wandering around. Sometimes one goes into a house and stays there for a long time. This is compared to a Gandaba, or human entity, entering a womb and making himself a physical body. That house is the analogy of a physical body. Okay. Then at the death of the physical body, the Gandaba, meaning the human being, <laughs> I mean, I think calling it Gandaba all the time is messy. It's a human being or a being in the state of human, in intermediate. At the death of the physical body, the Gandaba, the person, comes out and starts wandering again, the person walking on the street. He may be wandering the streets for a long time before, quote, entering another house. I get another chance to go into a matching womb. And, um, you know, that's the view. That's the. It really looks like a preta to me. Sometimes he may enter a house and may come right out. This can be compared to an unsuccessful pregnancy. <clears throat> a Gandaba, or human entity, taking hold of a zygote, but for some reason cannot stay there and has to come out, mostly because it turns out to be a mismatch of gati uh, of the potential mother. This gati, I'm not sure what it means, but it's some kind of um, birth constituent that needs to match. He goes on, thus it describes a human being going back and forth between this world and the other world, or the netherworld, paraloa. Once the comic energy of the human bhava is exhausted, a new bhava is grasped, which can also be said, once the, the being no longer needs the lessons of third density, they will graduate to fourth. So you can just see that um, there's, certain, there's a certain, um, I don't know, rigidity? Or a certain um, mm, unpadded nature <laughs> of this teaching that that um, leaves a lot un, unanswered. And so it's very cold and sterile, this analysis, uh, because there's a lot more going on than 
desire and ending desire. There's um, learning the way of ending desire, which is really learning the way of love and wisdom. Love wisdom is the way of breaking the attachments that give rise to the three poisons. Going on, if the new bhava is not human or animal, then one would be born instantaneously in another realm, such as Brahma or Deva or Ashura or Preta or Niraya. Brahma is, um, I think, associated with um, Rupa, uh, Rupa Loka, Rupa Loka, Deva. I don't know, I, I would be... Uh, it, it can mean angelic, but I don't think Gautama means it here. It's really higher-dimensional benevolent or higher-dimensional um, love-wisdom-based. Ashura is higher-dimensional rejection <laughs> of love-wisdom or negative path. Preta is hungry ghost, Niraya is hell. There are no Gandhabas associated with those realms, says he. And so that's that's the issue here, is the relationship between Gandhaba and uh, Preta. And they look pretty similar to me. He goes on, thus we can see that Bhava and Jati, meaning Bhava is a state of existence, Jati is birth, mean the same in all the other realms. In those realms, Bhava automatically leads to Jati, for example, one with Deva Bhava is always a Deva. <clears throat> and that's also different from the raw material. Uh, being in a certain, being qualified for a certain state, like uh, fourth density, leads to birth there, okay? But he says one with Deva Bhava is always a Deva, meaning what? They don't fall? There are a lot of, <laughs> a lot of questions here, but uh, <clears throat> you can compare this to the raw material in at least patchy and whatever seems right. Number eight, when one studies the accounts of people, of mostly children, describing their rebirth stories, there are always gaps between births. See references, books cited in evidence of rebirth, and there is a famous birth, a book from a guy named Ian Stevenson called Children Who Remember Previous Lives, A Question of Reincarnation. He can't say the reality of reincarnation that you scientists don't understand, but <laughs> primitive humanity uh, has to be treated uh, gingerly. He goes on, during those gaps in successive human births, they had been in the Gandhava state, i.e. they were in Paraloa, meaning they were, uh, we would say, on the astral plane. When one dies in an accident, especially at a younger age, it is more likely that their comic energy for the human bhava had not been exhausted, thus they are more likely to be in the Gandhava state waiting for a suitable womb. <clears throat> And so this has no comprehension of um, the perspective that we see in the raw material and um, really all Western metaphysics, including other channeling, Seth material, um, that beings are in the human state because there's work to do they hadn't completed. And the Buddhist explanation is that the karma of being in the human state uh, has not been completed. So learning lessons equals exhausting one's karma for that for continued rebirth in that particular bhava or dimension. And there are different ways of looking at it. And so um, the karma that keeps a being cycling in the human, or 3D repeating, is simply associated with not having learned uh, the lessons of love. <laughs> the purpose of... Um, the purpose of incarnation is evolution of mind, body, spirit. The purpose of, of incarnation in 3D is to learn the ways of love, said Ra. And so learning the ways of love, <clears throat> which is equivalent to um, development of green, blue, and indigo to some degree, and clearance of blockages in 1, 2, 3 to some degree, is exhaustion of the karmic energy that keeps being bound in 3D recycling. So that's the same. They're just two different ways of looking at it. So, <clears throat> but this whole notion of waiting for a womb is a little bit simplistic. He goes on, that this is why in most rebirth stories, the previous life tends to have been terminated by an unexpected incident, killed by someone or a natural disaster. And he's really saying that um, uh, people, children are remembering when their past life ended um, prematurely. I'm not sure about that. He goes on, this memory from the past life fades as fades away as children grow, and that's why it's mostly children who provide these accounts. As they grow old, these memories disappear gradually. Yes. Number nine, 
a Gandaba changes with time, just like everything else. In fact, it's even possible that if a Gandaba properly receives merit from a giving or dana mentioned in number five above, he she can gain a deva or brahma bhava and be born instantly in such a realm. Uh, this is beyond my level, but <clears throat> beings who are human inter- in the intermediate stage, getting uh, lots of what, getting getting offerings and then they're reborn uh, at a higher level of the astral plane. Uh, uh, yeah, I could get that, uh, but. These Gandabas look a whole lot like Pretas to me, meaning wandering ghosts. He goes on, On the other hand, another human Gandaba who had been engaged in behavior appropriate for an animal, say a dog, in the previous human life, could cultivate those dog samkara (laughs) as a Gandaba and slowly transform into a dog Gandaba while in Paraloa. That might happen to the guy who was the ascetic doing the dog duty who uh, came to Gautama and asked about his fate. Okay, so <clears throat> this is not um, this is not certified, but <laughs> this is his belief um, as an understanding in Buddhism. Going on, when we think about these possibilities, we realize how complex life is, and why we need to be mindful of the consequences of our actions. Not only that, we need to avoid doing things mechanically and understand the reasons behind even meritorious actions like almsgiving. I have seen many almsgivings that are conducted in a party-like atmosphere. One needs to do it with the proper mindset, with the Gandabas in mind. And so he's talking about the proper attitude or or a serious attitude in giving interdimensionally, (laughs) in making offerings to monks that go to um, the, the souls of the dead, the people who are in Paraloa or in between, or hungry ghosts, I mean, hungry shades at the wall sounds like a hungry ghost to me. And he's calling it Gandaba, but it looks a whole lot like Preta to me. So, humans that that are in this uh, intermediate condition where they're sort of longing to be back on Earth, that is that is Preta. That is a hungry ghost. Now, not and not all everybody who dies is that at all. But if you're going to help them, you got to be serious about it, obviously. Uh, and Yes, he's completely right. Um, how complex life is. <laughs> yeah, there are all sorts of things that can happen. And so um, people who want um, a simplistic soundbite understanding of spirituality or cosmology or after death won't get it. There isn't. It isn't. So if you want the easy, you're a dupe and you'll be fooled. I mean, easy is nice, but it just doesn't go far. Easy is nice, but... Um, comprehending um, multiple, you know, multi-incarnational, multi-dimensional process is highly complex, obviously. But indeed, we really should be careful. (laughs) And um, you don't want to get into trouble after death, which means you should know what, how to avoid trouble during the incarnation. Finally, not finally, almost finally, I'm going to run through this. If anybody needs to go, I understand. Number 10. Another interesting bit of deduction is how the concept of a soul or atma, right? Anatta, atma. Atma came to be established by the ancient Hindu yogis. Even to attain higher anarya jhanas, above the fourth jhana, meaning the formless trances, that enables one to acquire the ability to see previous lives, which some yogis can do, one has to have the gati, meaning, I guess, the tendency, of cultivating jhanas through recent human lives. Therefore, such a yogi with powerful abhinya powers can be expected to have had many recent human lives. Um, You know what? I'm going to leave this for next time because it just goes on and on and on. And I don't want to rush it too much. So, uh, I want to look... We're going to go... We're going to start here at 10 and 11 next time and get a sense of um, what what magical powers are and can reveal, uh, and how that relates to perception, uh, super sensible perception that may validate or um, give clear support for the view that indeed humans after birth, after death uh, are in an intermediate stage 
it's um, simply something for people to ponder the very clear distinction between the Buddhist cosmology or metaphysics of after death and that we get from other metaphysical sources like raw material, like uh, Chico Xavier, um, even Theosophy and other channeled materials, even Seth material, um, indicates a much more subtle, um, well-supported after-death experience for those who don't have to go to hell <laughs> and don't have to be wandering ghosts longing for human sensations. Uh, but indeed, um, life goes on out of the physical. And everybody should know that real clearly <clears throat> because you will experience it as we're all getting older day by day and approaching our next death. The next, my upcoming uh, <laughs> death again. Yes, I'm approaching my next death. Okay. Yes, we are. Uh, this is important stuff, and uh, to be prepared is very important as well. So, thank you for listening. Next time we're going to pick up at number 10, and then uh, get into some deeper discussion of um, the way of um, cultivating merit uh, and cutting through the, the three poisons by way of the five precepts, and um, moving our way to um, understanding these the ten immoral actions that are, you know, uh, avoided by uh, five precepts or by virtuous moral ac action, uh, how that cuts uh, progressively uh, or dissolves progressively three poisons, uh, and will, you know, basically <laughs> uh, help to make sure that we're not wandering around after death. And um, for us, that um, we have a smooth passage back home. So, thank you very much for listening. I hope this has been helpful. Take good care of yourselves, and good night.